kid. Diamond, are you ready? Let's do it. Let's play ball. So you were the first mental game development coordinator in collegiate baseball history. Can you tell us how you got there? Yes. So my career started off in at Wright State, but before I actually jumped on staff at Wright State, I was I was at GSW where I was like a I was like a player coach there. But even before that, I'll kind of give you a full backstory on the journey. I started playing football in high school. I was 14 years old. Actually, I didn't start playing football. Excuse me. That's when my career ended when I was 14. And it was it ended because I had congenital stenosis. Vulnerable moment here. I went head first to to die for a loose fumble, and then I was temporarily paralyzed from my neck down. And from that moment forward, I had no idea what I was going to do with my career. I didn't know if I would be able to play football again. So I ended up going to the doctor, and the neurologist told me that I'd never be able to play the game of football anymore. So at that moment in time, to give you a little bit of backstory on how I even got on staff at Wright State, that's when I started studying the mental side of the game in general, like leadership. I started diving into um, human performance, peak performance. And there was this two week period where, you know, after I, after I was told I couldn't play the game of football anymore, that I didn't know what I was going to do at all. So I was just diving into different sports. Like what could I do with my God-given talent, my God-given abilities? And I came across baseball and I started picking up the game. I started playing the game and then I jumped on to a team which team was this? The Dayton Classics. And on that team is when I first got introduced to Heads Up Baseball, which was like the, the first time I ever dove into the mental side of baseball. And I think that book transformed the way I looked at sports, the way I looked at life, the way I approached the game of baseball, because, I mean, everything everything is based around your mind and your ability to be able to to be able to control what you control. And before playing playing football and being a football player, that's not something we were taught in that culture. That's not something we were taught in the basketball culture. That's not something we were taught in track, right? Like those things were just, hey, you're an athlete, just let your athleticism go. But the game of baseball was a little bit different. I was putting in the same amount of hours that everybody else was put in, putting in probably like a ton more hours than everybody else was putting in around me. But they had this they had been playing since they were younger. So I had to like play catch up. So once this book was put in front of me, it was like, okay, this is the secret. Like the mental side of hitting is the actual secret to me achieving the results that I want to achieve to me. It's achieving the, the achievements that I want to achieve and me becoming who I want to become and eventually being able to not only catch up to my peers, but then pass my peers and then get to the next level that some of my peers never got to. And then at the same time, become the best version of myself. That was like the launching pad for me. And from there, my, my bookshelf grew. I'm talking about like John C. Maxwell books. Man, you got Dr. Tom Hansen's books, Dr. Ken Revisa's books, like all of the personal development and then human sports psychology books you can think of. And then to fast forward a little bit, how, how much do I want to fast forward? We have, well, yeah, 20 minutes left. So I ended up getting a scholarship at a JUCO. Fast forward, got a scholarship to a division one, two years later, fast forward, tore my ACL. During that time I was on, I was with that division one, which was Grambling State University. And while I was there, when I tore my ACL, like I was in the process of, I had finally gotten to a place where I wanted to be. Like I was projected get, to get drafted in the 10th round, 250,000 and everything was going well. Like scouts were showing up. It was like exactly what I had worked for. 
And once I tore my ACL, it was like a huge setback for me. So I had to come back here in Ohio and do rehab with uh, Dr. Krimchek, which was pretty good. It was pretty incredible to see the facilities that they had and everything. But the biggest thing that I learned was to not change anything. What I did was I stopped focusing on the mental side of the game during that time period. And I started focusing on mechanics too much. And that's what hurt me because once I got back, I wasn't as crisp with the mental side of hitting as I was before, because I'd focused all that time off all that six months of recovery on looking up guys' swings and their mechanics and trying to do like, and it just completely put me on a setback. But after that, after grambling, my scholarship didn't get renewed. So that was also like a frustrating time period because it was like, dude, I put in all these hours. I'm one of the leaders on this team. And yeah, I just didn't feel like it was a good, it was a good decision, but the decision was made. So I had to adjust. So I ended up jumping on with, with Georgia Southwestern, became a player coach because I never got back to the level that I was because of that like little setback period. But at that time, I think the most important lesson that I learned there was even though I wasn't As good as I used to be, I still had knowledge that I could give to my teammates. And that for me was like that moment where it became, it's not about, this isn't about me anymore. This is about me giving to my teammates. And I'll I'll be 100% vulnerable with you here. There was a freshman who we were like me and him. And there was two, there were two other guys. No, it was one. It was Jake Harrell. Yeah, it was Jake Harrell. And like we were working out and training together every day in the cage every day. And at this time, like I'm a fifth year senior, these two are freshmen and they're like, just picking my brain, picking my brain. And I'm giving them them everything that I knew, not only about the mental side of hitting, but about everything else that I learned, leadership, everything. And later on in the season, the, the guy that I'm talking about, he actually ended up replacing me in the outfield. And that time there was like a week time period where I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, I can't believe this is happening, but I had to jump back into the mindset, the leadership mindset of, hey, like, this isn't about me anymore. How can I still add value to the team? And what I did was I continuously started giving everything that I knew, even to even to John. His name is John, and he's still doing good right now. But I gave and I poured everything I knew into him so that he can become the best version of himself, even though he was playing over me. Like it was it, it, it took a lot of humility to be able to do that, especially as a competitor. But that was one of the most valuable moments of my career, I believe. And then fast forward to that, fast forward from that, jumped on staff at Wright State. I had a conversation with Mercer and he was like, Diamond, I want to do something. I know when I was recruiting you in high school and I wanted you to come to Western Kentucky, I know you were deep into the mental side of the game. And I absolutely love the mental side of the game here. I want to do something that's never been done before. So let's create this position where you come in and you conduct these workshops, you can you conduct these group facilitations, and then you're on the field with us every day. I want you to become the mental game development coordinator. I want you to become a part of the coaching staff. And I was like, all right, let's do it. And this is, a, I was 23 at the time. So it was like, I was being thrown in the fire that most people, most people aren't thrown in this kind of fire, but I was prepared because I was studying throughout the course of my career. I was applying throughout the course of my career. I was giving already throughout the course of my career. So for me, it was just a matter of putting him in presentation slides and then going in every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to do actual presentations and workshops and group facilitations. And then being on the field with them every day during practice, like saying, hey, this is what I'm talking about. Like being on the field saying, hey, this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about you putting your breathing into play. 
relaxing to get results. What you just did there in the box, that's what we want every single time. So it became something incredible. And that all came from that all came from like his brain and him being such a pioneer in the game, which is why he's the head coach at uh, Indiana University right now. And he's absolutely crushing it. I think, to be honest with you, he's probably going to be, I know I'm like, I know I'm like going on here and you haven't been able to ask any questions, but do this stuff, so much fire inside of me when it comes to this. He's going to be one of the best coaches to ever coach in the NCAA. I guarantee you just because of how he approaches and how he learns and how he applies everything that he learns. <laughs> Go ahead. So a lot of what you share on social media can be summed up by the one concept of extreme ownership. This is something that my strength coach has been teaching me for years. Can you tell our listeners what it is, why is it important for baseball players, and how it starts with your morning routine and how to get started with it? Okay, so there are a few things I heard there. Extreme ownership. Yes. Morning routine. And then what was the last thing? How can you start getting extreme ownership? How can you start getting it? I think I'll start there. When it comes to extreme ownership, there are two places that you can live. Okay. There's this place called victimhood. And then there's this place called ownership. There's a place called victimhood and this place called ownership. There's this place called the blame game. And there's this place called I take responsibility for who I am, my circumstances, my actions, my behaviors, the way I talk to myself, the way I improve every morning, everything that I do, I take responsibility for 100%. And I'm 100% in control. You are 100% in control. But most people like to live over here. Most people like to live over here in this victim because it's easy. It's easy to like point fingers at other people when things aren't going right versus looking in the mirror and saying, no, this is on me 100%. So I think that's the mindset shift that has to happen in people's mind when you're talking about extreme ownership. Before you start doing anything else, it's just a matter of committing and saying, I'm going to take ownership of everything that I am and everything that I do from here on out, no excuses. Even when things aren't actually your fault and you still take ownership of them, like it allows you to still pull out lessons and still and still find things that you can improve on within yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so once you start off with that mindset, now you have the ability and you have the freedom to say, okay, what do I want to do with my morning? And first you have to understand, before that question even comes into play, is that your mornings are the most powerful pieces to your day. It's not the nighttime. It's not during the day. It's your mornings. Like when you wake up, when you wake up in the morning, like you have a choice to crush the morning or to just let everything take care of it. And I know that's one of the things that a lot of people say inside of the mental side of it, let everything take care of itself. I believe in like controlling what you can control. And I think a lot of what we experience through life, a lot of what we experience throughout our days are actually 100%, not 100%. A lot of it is within our control. There are going to be things that happen that we can't control, but we can control ourselves throughout the course of the day. So for me, I like to do a few things. Number one, meditate. Like the science is there. The research is there. I've been able to experience it. I've given it to hundreds of other players. I've given it to hundreds of other coaches, hundreds of other parents, like the strategies and tools. I like to call it strategic meditation to where you're spending five to 10 minutes setting the intention for your day, looking at what you're grateful for, 
And then just being quiet and getting quiet in here so you can visualize how you want the day to go. Visualize the things that you want to happen to throughout the course of the day. And there are so many different ways you can plan that meditation piece out. But the biggest thing is getting to a place where you commit to it and you do it consistently. Like it will absolutely change your experience, not only as a baseball player, not only as a leader, but as a human being. You'll be more present with your family. You'll be more present with your dad. You'll be more present with your teammates. You'll be more present. Like, and that's what we, that's what we want. We want to have more presence. Like, dude, the, the one thing that we're never going to get back, that you will never get back, is time. And we want to spend every moment that we have on this planet in the most present way we possibly can. So that not only we can be deeply connected with ourselves, but deeply connected with others. Does that make sense? Yeah. So number one, meditation. Number two, journal, dude. Journaling is so important. If it's not written, it's not real. Figure out a way. You've got to figure out a way. You could put something down on paper. Like the act of this is so powerful. With whatever way you can figure out to make it happen, make it happen in some way, shape, form, or fashion. I know that might be a challenge, but make it happen in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And then moving your body and sweating your body. Obviously, you're still in the athlete. You're still an athlete, excuse me. You're still in the game. You're training your body consistently. Continue to do that for the rest of your life. Make sure you're fueling your body with the right stuff. Okay? And then also within this hour that we're talking about, within this 30 minutes, within this two hours, for some people, it's whatever time frame they want to use. Sometimes for me, it's an hour. Sometimes for me, it's two hours. But it's a matter of getting up in the morning, owning my mornings, getting connected with myself, and being able to show up as the best version of myself throughout the course of the day, which everybody, if they applied this, their whole lives would be different. I guarantee it. Anyway, the next thing is your relationships. Make sure you're pouring, intentionally pouring positivity into at least one person a day. It doesn't have to be hundreds. It doesn't have to be thousands. Just focus on one person a day. Like pouring positive, whether it's your dad, whether it's somebody within your family, whether it's one of your teammates, you walking up to him and saying, hey, dude, I loved what you did here and here. Like, I really appreciate and I'm grateful that you're my teammate. Like that alone, you continuously getting in the habit of doing that. Now, it's not only going to set you up for success in the game of baseball. As a leader, when you have a family, but then in your career as well, relationships are the most valuable thing that we have in today's world. Okay. And then the last thing. So we hit the mind, we hit the body, we hit the relationships. Then we hit the last thing is your career. Make sure you're learning and you're putting something into your mind that's new, that's also aligned with what skills you're currently developing. Perfect example, since we're here, the mental side of the game. Whether it's from me, whether it's from an article, whether it's from a blog, whether it's from a podcast, whether it's something on social media, just make sure you're intentionally setting five to 10 minutes to pour new knowledge into your mind that's aligned with the skill, with the current skill that you wanna work on. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
if it's the mental game, if it's leadership, whatever it may be, just pour into here. Next thing is declare, which is what you're doing right now. Declare things out into the world after you learn. So after, after this is recorded, like what you've already been doing, like when you share things on social media, like now you're declaring the things that you've learned, whether it's in the copy, whether it's in the comments, whether it's in the words that you're putting in the, the subtitles, like you're just declaring into the world what you've learned so that not only did you just learn things for yourself, but now you were able to give it to somebody else out there in the social media realm, or maybe it's somebody, one of your teammates, anyone. Okay. It's just a matter of declaring it and putting it out there. I forget who was talking about this and where I learned this from, but one of, my, one of my mentors was telling me about someone who he learned from. And he said that there's this 24 hour rule when you learn something new, as soon as you learn something new, in order to put it into who you are and make it, a, make it an actual habit and start that momentum, like you have to do it and you have to declare it within the next 24 hours. The best way to do it is to make it public to send it out to your email list, to send it over to somebody who you would add value to. So dude, that, that's like my morning right there. Like everything I just explained to you, I make sure I knock out all of those things and it charges you up. It gives you electricity to show up throughout the course of the day so that everybody else is, oh my goodness, I love being around this guy. Like when we go and work out, I love being around this guy. When we go and throw bullpens, I love being around this guy but they won't know the secret. The secret came from the morning. The secret comes from the mornings. You master your mornings, you can master the day. You can master the day. Good possibility you're gonna master the next morning and then you're gonna be able to master the week. But it's about simply first, like we talked about taking ownership of these things. You have to get in that ownership mentality. So one of my top three posts I've shared on social media with about with about 250,000 views, this is a short clip of yours. I shared about mental toughness. I'm sure there's a big story and why you shared that story in the locker room that day. Can you share it? The story, as far as what? As far as like... Why was that what you were talking about? Mm, I think, actually, it came from a conversation. It came from a conversation with a guy by the name, a man by the name of Justin Sewell, who I actually just talked to this past week. He's an incredible person. And he was actually one of the people who I was, who I was reaching out to asking for advice from. And he was like, Diamond, try this out. He was like, the next time you go in there and the next time you talk to your team, since this is what they're struggling with, and this is what you want to facilitate. There's this story I typically tell. He was like, I want you to try this out. And I want you to see how it does. I want you to see how it hits home. And I did. And it hit home. <laughs> It hit home with the team and then it blew up on social media. And what I learned, it wasn't that, it wasn't that, oh man, like now all of these, like all of these people want to reach out to me and learn from me. Like it, that, that, that wasn't the lesson at all. The lesson was that when you can share a story, when you can share an experience, that's not like super long, but it's just short and it's simple and it's relatable. Like it can have a ton of impact on somebody's life. I can't tell you how many people and how many stories that I told throughout the course of the year, just from that simple example of me trying that out. There were so many stories that I actually didn't put on social media or like share, but there are guys who still reach out to me. They're like, man, do you remember when you said this to me, when we were in the dugout, you told me this simple story about this and this, I do. I still think about that before I go up to the plate. And that is the purpose of what we do when it comes to adding value to other people's lives. And for me, that's my purpose.
Like I know my purpose on this earth is just to add value to other people's lives in whatever way I can through the things that I learned for myself and grow myself and expand myself. The purpose is not just about me and it's not just about you, but it's about the people who we're around. And it's about the people who we come in contact with. It's about how can I leave this place a better place than I found it. So I have a couple of years until I'm a freshman in college. I've heard that the first year is often really challenging for those baseball players. Why is that? And what can I do to be best prepared? I can say that what you're doing now, which is reaching out and putting knowledge into your mind of every aspect of the game, mechanics, the mental side of the game, leadership, who you are as a person, who you are as a human being, that will best prepare you for your freshman year if you continue doing this. And I know it sounds like super simple, but dude, if you really take these conversations in, the conversations that you're having and you take notes, like, and you're actually applying these things into your life now, you will be so, you're already so far ahead of the game than some freshmen are right now in college. And I'm not exaggerating at all here. I'm actually serious. Some of these conversations that we're even having right now, some professional guys don't even have. Like, think about this, dude, you're already ahead of the game. So I think the biggest thing, I think the biggest thing is continuing to do this, continuing to have conversations, go back and watch these over again, put them out on social media, declare it out to the world, add value to other people's lives, add value to other people's lives. But when it comes to you, when it comes to your life and being prepared for the freshman year, make sure you're applying these things that you learn. Okay. If you do that, I can guarantee you, you will be able to get to the freshman level and be able to see, oh man, I'm way ahead of everybody else. Like Diamond was right. This is, uh, this is interesting. These guys haven't even talked about leadership before. These guys haven't even heard about the mental side of the game before. Like you're already ahead of the game. So just continue doing what you're doing. So can you tell us why you published the Hitter's Black Book and why do you feel it was important for players to keep a journal? I think the reason why <laughs> I published the hitters black book and I came up with this was being the time that I was, I was at Wright state while I was at Wright state. It was interesting. I was creating the curriculum from scratch. And I remember talking to Alex Alders about putting this inside, not this, but all the concepts in here inside of a book to where guys would be able to keep track of it. And so we had an app, there was an app development process at Wright state and had all of these things like like in here and during the time at Wright State it was just like there were a lot of things going on there were a lot of things happening so I didn't really have time I was focusing on our guys to be able to do this but once I stepped off staff and I was like I'm going to create my own business I'm going to create my own products I'm going to do this I'm going to do that I'm going to create an online course I felt it was the right time to be able to do it because there was so much experience and so much research and so much training and so much tracking behind it like these are the exact same principles and tools that our guys at Wright State used every single day during the season, except we had them like in a little Excel sheet and they would do things through Google Forms and everything. I just felt like it was the right time. And then I also went to a, an awesome event where, where one of my mentors challenged me. He said, dude, you've got all this knowledge and you know that this is what people should be doing and you have the ideas in your mind. Why haven't you done it yet? And that's how he said it to me. I sat there for a moment, so I don't know. He was like, now's the time to do it. Like, 
the people who make the biggest impact in the world are the people who are always taking action. And then he asked me, he said, are you committed to, to being able to build this? Like, this is it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to do everything from scratch. You're going to have to learn like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then you're going to have to do it all on your own. So are you willing to do that? I was like, yeah. He's like, why? Because I know this can add value to not only the baseball players who I've already worked with and I've already trained, but this could add value to other people's lives and other baseball players' lives, specifically hitters around the world. And I really believed that. And it's come to fruition. There are guys in other countries, in other countries, it blows my mind, who are using this. And every single time it brings me to a place of gratitude and humility. But it all started with that conversation of him challenging me and getting in my face and charging me up and saying, hey, dude, you need to do this. You have something that can add value to these guys' lives. And it has, man. And so for me, it's just, it's just knowing that this is important and continuing to share these things with people and to share the Hitter's Black Book with people. So in the blueprint, in the Hitter's Black Book, has the player's pre- and post-game process. How do you recommend players identify those things? I think it's a matter of understanding themselves and testing and trying different things out. For the guys who are in my high-level training programs, like they have the full blueprint. That's like a $2,000, $3,000 training program. But they have the full blueprint of what I'm actually telling them, like, hey, here's what you should do. But when it comes to the hitter's black book, this is a process of like testing and training and tracking and knowing yourself based on where you are. So if guys know what meditation is already and they know they need to meditate or they know they need to visualize beforehand, like before a game, then do that. Because those are the proven things that actually work. Like visualization before a game, it works. Like the research is there. Focusing on your breathing during pitches, it works. The research is there. Focusing on the core four principles that are in here, it works. The research is there. The tracking has been done. It was done at Wright State. Like our guys were, I think we ended up being at the top 25 in quality at bats, which is another thing that's, that has to be an intentional focus for a hitter during a game. So it's a matter of just understanding yourself and then following the things that are at the beginning of this book as well. So if you could go back and tell a 15 or 14 year old diamond some advice, what would you tell him? Is this, which diamond is this? Is this the diamond who played football or is this the diamond who had just lost the game of football? Which one is it? Sure. I would go back and I would talk to the version of myself that, that had just lost, lost the game of football. And a piece of advice that I would share with him would be, Man, there's so many things like going through my mind right now. To be a servant leader. To be a servant leader and understand that life is about relationships. This is these these are like I'm I'm sharing with you probably a few things here. I would I would have told this guy so many things. <laughs> that life is about relationships. And then to be grateful always, to be grateful for what you have at that moment in time, because you never know when it's going to get taken away from you. And that comes, that, that's, that applies with family, that applies with your career, that applies with your body, that applies with your mind, that applies with your life. Be grateful for every single thing that you have right now. Be present with that. And still continue to grow and expand yourself every day. Stay committed to that. 
I would have had a dude I, with that version of myself. I would have had so many conversations. Where I would I would have been like, hey, we got to sit down. We have a conversation. I, I got to tell you something. <laughs> so on my podcast, I'd like to end with more of a broader question. So what is your favorite mental game book of all time? It would probably have to be Heads Up Baseball, man. That was the first thing that was like, it was like a launch pad to, to that journey for me. So I would definitely have to say it's that. And, and it's cool because I got to have a conversation with Ken Revisa before he passed away. And he was like, dude, you have a lot of potential to impact a lot of lives. And it's not going to be about, it's not going to be about you throughout this process. It's going to be about impacting and continuing to share what you learn. And sometimes people are going to, people are going to like not want you to be doing what you're doing. Sometimes are people, people are going to disagree but you have to continue sharing because your personality is like, it's electric. And when he said that kind of hit home with me. And in that same day, I met Dr. Tom Hansen. And that, at that time, like he had no idea who I was. And he actually wrote the forward to the black book. He had no idea who I was, but I just walked up to him and I said, thank you. I said, thank you because you and Dr. Ken Revisa, this was at the ABCA. You and Dr. Ken Revisa have absolutely changed my life. And he's like, oh, you're welcome. And he walked off. And then a few years later, right, like he, he writes the forward to this book, which was very special. So it'd have to be, it'd have to be that book. So where can people find out more about you and your resources? Definitely Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, probably Instagram and Twitter more. If out of those two, Instagram. And then throughout this year, the YouTube is going to be putting it into play too. But it's Diamond Hall, D-I-A-M-Y-N-H-A-L-L. And yeah, always feel free to reach out and ask questions. Diamond, thank you so much for playing ball. Thank you for playing ball. <laughs> and don't forget to play ball, kid. Hey, it's Sammy here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show. The algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they will show the podcast with.